1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the common good. I don't know why I got Southern there. Nope. Now I can't get out of it. <laughs> All show. Do you ever do- no, I cannot make that kind of commitment. Nobody wants the no. fake Southern accent. They don't Ian. even want our
0: real voices. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes when we started the show, was there a part of you that wished that they could like edit our voices to sound cooler? No,
0: that never was. <laughs> well, through- that's just me. I didn't tell you the other day that sometimes I listen back. I'm like, that's how I laugh. Yeah, the laugh laugh.
1: thing. The laugh thing for you. That's the one that I'm on. Yep. That's interesting. All right, so here are some of the particulars. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, slash The Common Good. All the previous episodes are there, plus there's a little preview video that we did almost a year ago now, which... We should go back and watch that. We should play that sometime. That is See? true. That <laughs> what a, is a year. What a throwback! Also, you can get us on podcasts wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, a little like, subscribe, review does go a long way. We're still a new show, so any of that really does help us out. And uh, before we get into this first segment, I want to tell you about something that Go Promoters is doing that I think is really, really awesome. So they have this whole other approach called Go Underground. So Go uh, is responsible for organizing a lot of really big Christian concerts in the area, but. They they had a heart for really reaching people who are far from God mm. and so the metal band Disciple is actually coming to Q Bar in Glendale Heights on December 6th and they're actually so it's going to be in a bar yeah. but they're also going to be sharing their faith and it's a really really great opportunity for that friend or neighbor or family member that they're like I'm never going to a church right. I'm not interested in any of that they might go with you to a bar and so they're actually partnering with AM 1160 and they're making it so that you can invite a friend for free just go to 1160 hope.com slash disciple and you'll get one free ticket for your friend and tickets for you are just $10 at itickets.com I can't encourage you enough December 6th Glendale Heights Q bar with the metal band disciple you're not going to want to miss it all right so uh, a leadership guru that I've referenced a number of times on the show his name is Simon Sinek and he was I think maybe most most known for that TED Talk where he's talking about starting with the why. Have you ever uh, seen that TED Talk? I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just blew up, and people. Again, such a simple concept, but the starting with the why, I think, has been really tremendous, both for business leaders, but also church leaders. Yeah. And every once in a while, something in my feed shows up from him, and it's just a kind of a short clip that I think, all right. That's really interesting. That's yeah. thought provoking. So you've not heard this
0: clip. I've not heard it at all. So
1: I want to just play it. It's about confrontation. Oh, There's a topic I don't that like you and I. I know <laughs> we both talked about this. Yep. And he's he's just kind of answering the, this question off the top of his head. How do you confront people well? So I want, I want to listen to his response, and then we'll kind of unpack it.
2: There's a technique for effective confrontation that is really fantastic that perhaps you can use with them. Right. Um, you, it requires three things. It does not matter the order, but you need to have all three. We've gamed it out with one and two, and it doesn't work. You have to be able to, when you talk to the person, you're going to have to say exactly how you feel. You have to do better than happy, sad, angry, right? Uh, The specific action that they took that made you feel that way and the potential impact. You have to do all three. The order doesn't matter. So, for example, you would say, When you got up and walked, and it has to be specific. You can't say you always do this, right? You always show up late to meetings. It has to be specific, specifically how you feel, the specific action they took to make you feel that way, and the potential impact. So you would say something to the effect of, when you got up and walked out of the room on Thursday night, you made me feel completely humiliated. And I fear that if I'm made to feel like that again, I won't. I won't trust you. I, I fear that the love and I, that I have for you will be shaken. And then you shut up. And then it doesn't matter if they get defensive. Well, you said this, and I was just being emotional. And it's, it's I'm, you know, sure, I'm sorry. But then you, 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 you say I hear you, and then you repeat the whole statement again. And what it does, it's designed to make people take accountability for their actions, and it's unbelievably effective.
1: Okay, so. Just in summary, right? Say exactly how you feel. Yep. You have to do more than happy, sad, angry. The specific action. And then the potential impact. And the thing that I find maybe most uh, unique about what he's explaining there is let them say whatever they want in response. Say, okay, I hear you. Don't get defensive. And then just repeat the whole statement again. I'm curious. And you've mentioned Mm -hmm. this before, that, you know, confrontation isn't necessarily your favorite thing. And, you know, like a lot of us, you have this sort of people-pleasing mechanism. I think that's an important thing to note. Just hearing that do you buy it does it oh, seem yeah. too good
0: to be true does it feel like a like a helpful tactic like how does all of that hit you i think it's great and i think having tools for conflict especially for those of us who are more conflict averse mm. uh is really helpful of the three i think the one that i have the most difficulty with just as i was listening to him yeah uh not difficulty believing but difficulty executing in my own life difficulty yeah. where i struggle is that first one exactly how you feel no kidding i think so i think sometimes uh, I can downplay the effect that someone else's actions had on me. Like, hey, I really wish you hadn't done that. Like, it's okay, but, you know, whereas I might be angry. Like, especially the uh, the the very being very specific about how it's made you feel. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, hey, you know, this kind of ticked me off. But, like, right. here's why it made me angry. Because the rest kind of flows from there. So, no, I thought... Those tools are really helpful, madam They're really helpful. Sometimes it's uh, when you're in the midst of potential confrontation, there's always that moment. Hmm. Do, I, do I engage this or do I not? Right. And I think these are helpful for ways to engage it. But you still got to make that choice to go, yep, I'm going to engage this. Well, and it, it seems like, and this is highly
1: reductionistic, but mm-hmm. often the dichotomy that people will give is do you value more the results or the relationships? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people say... I don't care if uh if this report is late or the outcome here isn't, I want to maintain this friendship. Mm-hmm. Or someone so so values the result, right, the outcome of the thing we're working towards that they're willing to compromise the relationship yes. to make the confrontation. That feels like a teeter totter that people are, are on a lot. Yeah. And I think a lot of the good work of therapy and counseling is to really attack that first one. Yes. To learn to identify, hey, you may just feel mad. There's something beneath the surface Mm -hmm. going on there. And I think, I don't think this is just for leaders. He often speaks just to leaders. I think this is really, really helpful, necessary, often painful work to do, though. Hey, uh, your blood is clearly boiling right now, but do you really know why, though? Mm -hmm. Because you actually articulate. And that's why I think, in a lot of cases, therapy and counseling can be really helpful. But you make a really good point, though. What do you think is the linchpin for people to choose confrontation when they m- might be more inclined to say, "Bah, I'll I'll just let this one pass."
0: I think it's when when people become convinced that confrontation, while uncomfortable in the moment, it, the uncomfortability in the moment is worth it because of the long-term effects, the healing that can happen through mm. it. Or the flip side is the the long-term results that can happen if you don't deal with it. Because right. that's the whole relationship right. versus, right? The relationship's actually going to be hurt if you don't deal with stuff, but we kind of make ourselves believe, well, no, it won't, because we don't really, we don't want to have to deal with it. We don't have to do it. And so I think once we are actually convinced uh, that, no, even though it's uncomfortable in this moment, it's the best short-term and long-term thing, and it's not about winning, it's about the relationship. I think when we fully uh, believe that, then I think we're willing to go in. It's when we're like... Uh, no, that's just going to be hard, then, right. then it becomes difficult to engage. Well, and
1: the reason I wanted to do this one, too, is because, and we talk about it all the time, it feels like, especially our digital interactions are just getting um, uglier and uglier. And I thought, man, okay, what if we put just a simple resource in people's hands for better confrontation, for healthier confrontation, yeah. so that we can keep having the necessary conversations that we need to have. Because like you said, especially heading into the holidays, a lot of people are stressed out about this. The point isn't just buried mm-hmm. in the ground and hope it goes away. Yep. How can we actually deal with these things in a way that people know that we're for them mm-hmm. and that we can actually find a way forward. So hopefully you found that at least in some way helpful. That's been shared to our Facebook page. If you want to watch that again, highly encourage you to do that. You've been listening to the common good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is still Ian Simpkins. Brian mm-hmm. Fromm is still Brian it's Fromm. Still and <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, or wherever it is you find those magical things known as podcasts, if you are a podcaster. Uh, liking, subscribing, and reviewing does somehow magically help us. And this is like the week of in-person guests, by the yeah, way. It's exciting. We like interviews in general, but it's yep. so much more fun when they're actually here in the studio. And we have Al Smith, who might be our first guest to fly in for an yeah. interview. Is that true? Can, yeah. can we a lot that
0: he flew in for the interview. I
1: know <laughs> that you have family here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that part out. You flew in for the interview.
3: Al, welcome to the show, sir. Good to be here. I actually flew in for Portillo's and pizza. Ah. <laughs> We're happy to be third on that list. Yeah. If that's Portillo's, pizza, also
2: it the does.
1: common good. Okay, so why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience and you can be as personal or professional as you want, as long or short as you want. How would you introduce yourself to someone that doesn't sure. know you?
3: Sure. Well, I, uh, I I'm a pastor at this point uh, at a church in the remote mountains of Colorado. Wow, suffering um, for the Lord. Nice. That is a amazing story in itself um, that we could take the whole hour up to how I ended up <laughs> in Colorado. But uh, but uh, spent uh, the first forty forty one years of my life here in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, worked in a church. I wasn't. Uh, I was just a pastor. I wasn't a pastor. I was a deacon, hmm. worship leader. You name it, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, they called me Pastor Al there, even though I wasn't. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, in the suburb of Addison, um, yeah. I was at the church there for quite a while, and God was gently leading me hmm. uh, to sometimes not so gently, and me just getting through my thick head. <laughs> but we know the feeling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leading me into uh, ministry, um, just a uh, real quick try to keep this brief, but. I had owned a Christian bookstore in uh, Westchester and um, quickly drove that into the ground and uh, (laughs) uh, was a little confused about what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And as I was trying to figure that out, uh, God made it very clear through circumstances and other people um, I got three confirmations in 10 minutes from three different people that I was supposed to be in the ministry. And, no kidding. Uh, wow. And that that, uh, that kind of blew me away. So I actually enrolled uh, at Moody uh, doing Tuesday night and Thursday night classes and Saturday mornings trying to work from there. Uh, my brother-in-law asked me to come out to his church in the south suburbs of Denver, hmm. uh, which I told him, I said, I don't have to move to Colorado to be in ministry. <laughs> um, my, my wife went into her job uh, and uh, the boss there asked her you know what I know this is totally out of blue but you wouldn't happen to be interested in moving to Denver would you oh my goodness no uh, kidding we will pay to get you out there <laughs> really <laughs> so we took that as a sign obviously from God seems and like it may be one <laughs> <there> yeah <you> go. <laughs> Worked for my brother-in-law for about a year and a half, and uh, eventually took on a small church up in the mountains. Wow. For It was a total disaster mm. um, from, from the word. I think I had about a three-week honeymoon at that church before yeah. things totally went south. Mm. Uh, stuck it out there for a year and a half, and finally became very clear that I needed to resign, mm. uh, which I did. And a couple had us over for lunch that very afternoon, and between them and my wife, they said, you need to start a church. No kidding. And uh, here we're in the middle. I mean, this this area, we're in the mountains. There are 300 people that live within about 25 square miles. Wow. Okay? And uh, uh, to start a church out there, really. Um, but uh, so two <laughs> weeks later, we had our first service in the no living room of our house. <laughs> 11 people showed up. Wow. I'm not sure how they knew we were having a church there, but 11 people showed up. Percentage-wise,
1: that's awesome. <laughs> not <laughs> bad, yeah. Jeez. 17
3: week two, 27 week three, wow. and we didn't have any room. <laughs> so, wow. So we uh, uh, rented a facility. Uh, that We tried to actually buy that facility. God blocked that path. Not only that, but we, we had to move out. Uh. Uh, because of code violations, we couldn't even meet there. Hmm. So we had to find another place to go. Uh, we uh, rented a Saturday night, a place that was available on Saturday nights, and um Three three years in, hmm. started looking for a piece of property oh. uh, to build, a, and uh, we didn't have any money, but we were looking for property. <laughs> 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 Finally got a guy to call call us back, and he said, I hear you're looking for some property. He said, uh, well, I'd like to buy five acres if I could. Um, he said, uh, five acres? I says, I'll give you that. No big deal. I'll give you that? I'll wow. give you that. Okay. <laughs>
0: If anyone out there would like to give five acres away. Yeah. What would we even do with five acres, right? Re- resell it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
3: <laughs> he was getting ready to put the rest of his property in conservancy, which out there means can't be built on. It's right. Of, it's mm. for grazing and wildlife. That's it. So right before we we're getting ready to sign the papers, I called him back up. I said, I don't want to be greedy here, but by chance, God blesses this thing. I don't want to be landlocked. Hmm. Uh, Is it possible to ask for 10? He said, ah, no problem. Come on. Just like that. Just like that. Like it's nothing. Okay. (laughs) Calls me up not a week later. Says, Al, we looked at the survey and drew out the lines and everything, and uh, we're actually going to donate 22 acres (laughs) to you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's funny. The next day. Calls me up. Hey, I found out to have a commercial well out here, you got to have at least 35, so we redrew it. We're going <laughs> to donate 39 acres Come to your on. church, okay? <laughs> You're like, call me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. One caveat. You have to build a building on there within five years or the property reverts back to me. Okay. No I said no problem. Wow. I don't have any money. Yeah. Nobody in our church has any money. How <laughs> are we going to build a building? Okay. <laughs> but you said no
1: problem. <laughs> but
3: 39 acres. Okay. So, wow. so we're doing our Saturday night church thing in the rented community center. And a couple shows up at our church for the first time. I had met them twice other. I ran a Monday night Bible study in a subdivision out there and uh, met them two other times. Showed up at our service on a Saturday night once after the service. Said, hey, what are you trying to do here? Hmm. I gave him a quick story, quicker than what I've already done with you here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he said, "How much money you need?" I said, "I, I, we haven't got that far, but I'm thinking maybe five hundred thousand to put up a decent sized building." Hmm. He casually looks at his wife, <laughs> looks back at me. <laughs> says, well, we can do that. Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who are your friends, man? Uh, I'm all of a sudden feeling called to the mountains. Yeah, of course you are.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Three months later, they don't live up there. Oh, wow. Wow. They live in Texas. They just have a place up there. And three months later, when they came back, called me over, handed me a check for half a million dollars. Wow. Okay. So the building, the property, all debt-free. And that was the beginning. I was in the process personally of getting my finances back together where they needed to be, following Mm. God's word on finances. And uh, Hmm. um, so I was very much don't want to be in debt, don't want to be dealing with this. So uh, that was kind of a little bit of the background of where I'm at. And um, – that that church now, we started that church, it'll be 15 years this coming summer. No oh. kidding. Oh, so, yeah. So
1: it's out of that whole experience then that you wrote this book – that we're going to talk about. It's called Dear Solomon My Finances Are a Mess. <laughs> there you go. Which is a brilliant title, by the way. And so you're going to stick around for a couple more segments. I'm here. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of this book in particular. That other voice is Al Smith. Al, thank you so much for being Absolutely. with us on the show today. Glad to be here. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Al a little bit more about his story and finances and his new book. You're not going to want to miss it. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everyone welcome back to the common good my name is ian simpkins along with brian from you can find us Well, not really us. Digital representations of us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show.
0: (laughs) We're not actually there
1: in your computer at all. I know. That's letting a lot of people down. Uh, You can also go to 1160hope.com slash the common good or wherever it is you get your podcast. We are joined in the studio by Pastor Al Smith, who just told me one of the craziest church planning stories I've ever heard in my life. I'd love to know what Daniel Yang thinks about that church planning (laughs) strategy. That would be amazing. But... You said that you, uh, you had this experience, and if you're just joining us, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the last segment. But from that experience, you began kind of working on this book, and the book is called Dear Solomon, My Finances Are a Mess. Just give us a 30,000-foot perspective
3: on what the book is about, and then we're going to drill down a little more specifically into sure, it. Sure, sure. The book, quite honestly, even though it deals a lot with what Proverbs has to deal with on finances, it's much more than that. Hmm. It's more the character, the godly character that we must develop to be prepared to handle our finances yeah. properly. Hmm. Uh, this is not a 10 steps to prosperity type book. Right um, it's probably more so here's what God says that you have to become to be prepared to handle your finances the way God wants and for hmm. God to then be able to open, mm-hmm. open the doors to bless you in that regard. Hmm. Uh, so more so, just the aspect of how you, how you grow into that person that God can trust with finances. Right, and right.
0: Yeah. You uh, said you said in the bio here that this was a book that was kind of a work in progress for over a decade, and so it's clearly a passion project of yours. What what drives this? Why did you want to write about this? It all started a couple. Actually,
3: started a couple ways. Uh, number one, uh, the ten years in the making. It was basically because I was. Um, writing a daily email of devotionals. And I was just kind of scattered all over the Bible writing those devotions. And eventually I just got to the point of, you know, well, let me just start with a book. And I decided to start with Proverbs. And so I just verse by verse worked my way through Proverbs, writing devotions every day Mm -hmm, on it. mm -hmm. So that's why it's a 10-year project. Uh, But there came a point in time where as I was working through all those Proverbs, I realized, you know, I was encouraged to write a book. And I thought, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it just to be a devotional, uh, but it's based on those devotions. And so I saw that Proverbs could very easily be broken mm-hmm. up into categories. Um, and obviously finances is one of those things. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thought because here, and here's, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. Confession is good for the soul. Okay. <laughs> don't worry, no one's listening. It's just us. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was horrible with handling my own finances. Mm -hmm. Um, I was one of those folks that believed if you can afford the payments, you can afford the purchase. And Mm -hmm. so debt was no issue for me. Just pile it up. As long as I can handle the payments, I'm good.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And so as I'm writing, coming across these proverbs that deal with money and possessions, and I'm writing what God is saying and sending it out to all these people through email, right? right. And dying inside because I'm not following. It. Oh, interesting! Hmm. <laughs> and so that was the that was kind of the evidence, I guess, to say for what started working. It was as I talk about in the book when I got the Proverbs 27, 23, and 24, uh, which starts out with "Know well the condition of your flocks," hmm. um, and uh, obviously the 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 application there is understand where you're at. Pay yeah. attention right. to, to what you're doing with your money, mm-hmm. I mean flocks and herds that was money to people in the back in those hmm. days. so when I came to that point of having to realize i'm not paying attention to my yeah. own finances. Hmm. Um, I was good at handling other people's finances <laughs> right. yeah I mean I was in, uh, in the insurance and personal finance and you know business, and I was good at telling other people what to do with their money. interesting. Mm. I mean, even in a June of 2008, I told my clients, get out of the market. Um, there wow. was trouble brewing. Wow. And, uh, and most, all but one did. Hmm. Um, and uh, so so they, uh, I'm not saying I'm some kind of financial guru, but, yeah. I, but I was good at handling other people's money. Right. I was not good at handling my own. Mm-hmm. Isn't that and, how it goes? Yeah. yeah. And that was the problem. Yeah. Because I actually... Assumed the money was my own instead mm. of me handling God's money. Yeah, and uh, that's that was when the transformation happened. The Nets were started putting it together for a
4: book,
1: and that and that is kind of the cognitive dissonance that a lot of us pastors struggle with, right? Where we know the right thing to preach about. Absolutely. And you ask their spouse, ask their kids, like, does he actually live this out at home? You know, and we've seen this now, unfortunately, in the news a lot in the last ten years. I'm curious when you look at other. Finance books or books about possessions, particularly in the Christian market.
3: What do you think? A lot of them get wrong. I think the 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 for me, and I, I might be stepping on some toes here, but for me, the whole issue of this thing that God wants you to be rich. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where people get off on the wrong foot. Yeah. Um, I think one of the issues we got to look at. We got to say, okay, we are not. The only believers here in America, um, yes, we live in a very prosperous country, Yeah. but are you telling me that God wants us all to be rich? How do you explain hmm. the genuine believers in third world countries and right. that uh, have no opportunity mm-hmm. for, for that kind of blessing, so to speak, are they any less genuine believers than mm-hmm. we are? Any mm-hmm. less dedicated than we are? Um, and uh, so... So I think that's the problem. I think most of the, especially in the Christian realm, especially, uh, most of the books that deal with, uh, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of the books that deal with money and possessions are more along the lines of, you're supposed to be rich, and if you're mm-hmm. not, something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm, right, right. And, uh, and so, yeah, i no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good
0: word. Wondering if there's somebody out there driving in their car right now, and they're they're kind of drowning financially, sure. kind of the way you described before. What's one or two pieces of advice you'd give them to kind of even start this process towards mm. turning that ship around? That's good. Well, definitely. Uh, probably first
3: and foremost, and I know this is not necessarily easy for some who are that deep in. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, you just got to stop using those credit cards mm-hmm. until they're paid off. Yeah, I'm not one that says you can't own a credit card. Yeah, um, but if it's not getting paid off every month, then it's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, there's too many proverbs that talk about that issue of just man, you are a slave mm-hmm. to the lender, mm-hmm. uh, and so so you got to get out of debt uh, and whatever that means. And and yeah. here's the thing: most people try to do it too. It's too overwhelming for them. Yeah.
4: Hmm.
3: My wife and I, and I share this in a book, my wife and I, at the time, um, probably four years ago now, maybe five, we were $35,000 of credit card debt. Wow. Um, Had obviously a vehicle loan, a mortgage, um, you know, the whole ball of wax. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just almost drowning. And Hmm. uh, uh, we were able to eliminate that credit card debt in full. Uh, we wow. have three years left, maybe four years left on our mortgage and wow. one vehicle loan right now that we're trying to get out of. So, wow. so, wow. so it's possible, but yeah. you've got to start little. You've got to look at it from a perspective of, you know what, i got to put some money aside so that I'm not tempted to use my credit card. Yeah, right. So I want to get 500 to to $1,000 in a bank account that I'm not going to be using for anything else. And if you can only do that $5 a week, then do it $5 Start a week. somewhere, right. Yeah, and stop using the cards yeah. and uh,
1: get them paid off. And I appreciate that perspective because it's not only – you're writing not only from the perspective of someone who's faced a mountain of debt, but it's still like in process like the rest of us. Like, yeah, For these sure. are still conversations that I'm having with my wife, with my kids, with my family, and I think – those make, in my opinion, the best writers. Yep. The ones that are, are actually walking a mile in those shoes. I just think that's sure. best tremendous. So, that is Al Smith, uh, the author of Dear Solomon. You can learn more at Dearsolomon.com or PastorAlsmith.com. He's going to stick around for one more segment. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk pastoring. We're going to talk about the mountains. The we're going to talk about the finances in your book and a whole lot of other things. That's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. 1160hope.com slash the common good or wherever it is that you find podcasts. I've yet to find anyone that can't find the podcast, nope. even people with really esoteric podcast platform preferences. <laughs> we're even there, too. Uh, but our first fly-in guest ever, who we're told was here for what was it? Portillo's, Portillo's pizza, pizza yeah. and then to be on our show. So I'm happy to His make the top three. family somewhere below maybe, <laughs> maybe to see my dad, too. <laughs> so we're taking home the bronze here yeah. on The Common Good, which I am just fine with. He also wrote a book called Dear Solomon, my finances are a mess. You can learn more, encourage you to learn more at dearsolomon.com or at pastoralsmith.com. And one of the things that I love asking pastors who are authors is about their writing process, because I imagine writing sermons is different than trying to write a book. Mm. And you'd mentioned earlier how you had this blog component. Talk me through a little bit of the process of actually
3: completing an actual book. Sure. Um, Obviously, as I, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned in the segment or off air here, but uh, I started just writing devotions. And, right. um, um And so when it came time to put together a book, um, I already had a lot of the material, but then it was like, how do I take all these devotions that I've written and put them into a chapter format? It right. kind of goofy. Right. right. Uh, but, uh, but the whole issue of writing for me was just sharing my heart. Um, mm-hmm. I... I don't know about you guys when, when you're in the pulpit or not, but uh, um, for me, I've had people tell me that I'm too open, too, <laughs> too personal in my no. sermons and uh, shouldn't be sharing all that stuff. And I was going to tell you that in this interview. Actually. <laughs> yeah. <I'm just> <laughs> uh, but uh, quite honestly, that's just the way God has yeah. made me, you know, and I, mm. I, you know, I, it's not that I'm proud of my mistakes, sure. and proud, but boy, boy, you know, if I can help somebody learn from my mistakes, it's yeah. wonderful. Yep. So my writing is the same way. You know, yeah, it's different writing a sermon than writing a book, but not a lot, hmm. um, at least for me anyway. It's hmm. it's still just putting in, what what is God doing in my yeah. life? What has he taught me? How can I communicate that to others? Uh, because uh, people ask me all the time, you know, how did you know you're calling to be a pastor? I said, well, quite honestly, my calling is not to be a pastor. Hmm. It's part of my calling. Mm. My calling is to communicate the word of God in any yeah. way that he allows. Wow. Being a pastor is part of that. Right. Yeah. But also now writing a book is part of that. Um, writing these blogs, writing these emails, emails kind of going out, but, uh, but writing these blogs and everything else is part of that process. Yeah. So it's pretty much just sharing my story as I read a verse of scripture or a passage of scripture, obviously try to get the context right first. And then as I read that passage, it's how is that affecting me? Hmm. How is that impacting my life? Mm -hmm. And now how can I communicate that with somebody else? uh,
0: I'm curious how uh, along the lines of finances, uh, we talk a lot about personal finances, but what about churches? Hmm. Uh, What would you say to pastors or to elders or church leaders out there and the danger of of church debt and uh, how easy that is to get into?
3: That is huge. Uh, the church I came from here in the Illinois area, uh, we uh, Chicago area here, uh, we were saddled with debt for as long as I can remember. Huh. Uh, huge debt. Yeah, uh, debt that debt that should have closed the doors of the church many mm-hmm. times. But mm-hmm. God, God provided. But uh, I look at that happening, especially in in this day and age, uh, as churches start. God, they start a church. God blesses it. And it starts growing. Yeah. And you're like, gotta have room. Gotta right, have to right. have space. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you start going into this massive debt. And here's what I've seen happen that I, I, I want to caution any pastor about. As you go into this debt to build these massive buildings and to have all this space for the ministries, wonderful ministries, all of a sudden now you've got this massive debt. You've got this Payment you've got to make, right? Every month, of course. And the tendency is—I've seen it happen too many times. The tendency is for that pastor to, even if it's totally unconsciously, hmm. start softening the message to avoid offending anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> because if they happen to, I offend somebody, they're not going to be there next week. That's right. And they're not going to drop some coins in the offering yeah. basket next week. And so it's it's a it's a danger. It's a huge danger. Um, not only from the standpoint of that, but it's, it's pretty much, it's very clear in Scripture. Yeah, right. You know, stay right. out of debt. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So personally and corporately, yeah. stay out of debt. Uh, now, obviously, there's many that are already there, you know, yeah. so what do you right. do now? Right. <clears throat> you know, so I just look at it from that perspective of saying, hey, you know what, mm. start where you're at. Yeah, that's you know, good wisdom. And And just... Start chipping away at it mm. and don't go into more debt. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Okay, so you said something a little earlier that I want to circle back to because you'd mentioned how the book is not a prosperity gospel book. It's not follow these steps to achieve your own wealth. You mentioned sure. the word character. Like here are yeah. some of the central components, the kind of character that God is seeking after. For someone, just to kind of whet their appetite for the book, what are some of those characters yeah. that someone listening to right now can start maybe going after or start asking God to grow them in? Like what are some of those central pillars or components that you're talking about in this book? For sure.
3: Well, the first thing, obviously, the book of Proverbs is all about seeking God's wisdom. Um, So it has to start with that hunger for Mm. wisdom, for God's wisdom. Right. And and, uh, so you start there. You start seeing, uh, you know, Proverbs is a book that is so perfectly available to us from this simple perspective. 31 chapters. In most months, we got around 30 days. Right, right. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. You could read a chapter of Proverbs a day for the rest of your life, and this wisdom is going to start seeping in. Hmm. Um, so, wisdom is the first thing in there. Uh, Proverbs talks a lot about integrity, hmm. talks a lot about being intentional, of making plans. Yeah. Um, so, all these things I think are necessary uh, to. Tackle first,
1: mm-hmm.
3: as opposed to just suddenly going. Like even in my book, I, the first couple of chapters, I keep telling people, please don't skip ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I know you're chomping at the bit to get to what Proverbs has to say about money. Mm-hmm. But without all this stuff in the first, at the beginning, if you don't develop the character, the wisdom, the, the integrity, the honesty in your dealings, um, the, the money matters aren't going to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because you can't pick and choose I'm going to obey this part of the Bible, and right. I'm going to skip this part. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that. That's yeah. really good.
0: In the last minute or so that we have, Ian and I talk a lot here about generosity and, and actually it not being a burden, but being an opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. sure you touch on that in the book. You speak for the last minute or so about generosity and the opportunity it is for us out there.
3: Sure. Sure. I mean, that that is one of the keys that's uh, not just in Proverbs, but throughout the Bible mm-hmm. is this is not mine. I have to look at it from the perspective of whatever God gives me. It's not mine. Mm, yeah. And the more, I mean, God has promised to take care of us. Yeah. He has promised all that, but it's from the perspective of not only to take care of your needs, but now you have. I'm going to get. You've proved that you're good with this. I'm mm-hmm. now going to give you more to share. Right. Not for you to accumulate. Right. You know, we are those proverbial streams, not those ponds that just keep accumulating. So, Mm. So generosity is huge in God being able to bless you because then he's saying... You know, I can trust you with this. That's Mm -hmm. fantastic. That's really good, man. That third voice you're hearing is
1: Pastor Al Smith, author of the new book, Dear Solomon, My Finances Are a Mess. I cannot encourage you enough to go to dearsolomon.com or to pastoralsmith.com to get the book or to learn more about him and his crazy story that we heard (laughs) earlier. Al, thank you so much for flying in specifically. That's right. Just just to be on the show. Just for you guys. That's right. (laughs) It's been a real blessing. I'm grateful (laughs) for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160 Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name, you guessed it, Ian Michael Simpkins, along with Brian Ulysses from, sure. you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash Good, plus wherever it is you get podcast. if you are the podcasting type, uh, a little like, subscribe, and review just takes a couple of seconds. <laughs> is that creepier? Yeah, a
2: little. Yeah, a little beginning middle
1: end yeah. <laughs> a little uh, family guy reference to uh, start the hour uh, anyway before we get into it i want to talk about something that a school did with their students and phones specifically but before that brian has something to show with us about uh i believe it's perfect, perfect
0: christmas gift our pillow right no just <laughs> it's my it's not your <laughs> pillow it's not our pillow it's <laughs> my pillow well i do i have an exclusive offer for our listeners just in time for the holidays if you go and buy a set of Giza cotton sheets from My Pillow, you'll get the second set free. That's two for one. Whoa. Not only that, but you'll get free shipping. And if you add anything else to your order, like My Pillows or mattress toppers or towels or anything else. Those items will ship for free as well. Common good listeners can get deep discounts on all my pillow products, but you have to use the promo code WylL. Recently my wife and I we picked up uh, some of, some of the pillows and some of the towels, and I got to be honest, they're the towels I look for. They're, they are good, they are what, Thanks for being honest, Brian. <laughs> they are what they say. Uh, they are as advertised, so I'd encourage you to get some. Uh, now all products have a 60 day money back guarantee and 10- year warranty. So go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener specials box, and get two sets of Giza cotton sheets for the price of one, plus free shipping on your entire order. That's mypillow.com. Click the radio specials box and enter promo code WYLL, or you could call one eight hundred four eight nine zero two zero one. Well done, Brian Thank From you. I can read. <laughs> Yes,
1: it's all about Most celebrating days. the little things, Most right? Days. All right, so here's a story that uh, I find interesting on a couple of levels, so let me just read a little bit yep. and then get some of your reactions. It says when Iowa Valley Junior Senior High School Principal Janet Barrens observed her students in the cafeteria. She was dismayed to see that they spent more time looking down at their phones than they, than they did looking at and interacting with each other. So last year, she implemented a new policy that's having a big impact. According to KCRG News, No Phones, New Friends Friday requires students to put away their their devices one day a week and sit with people they don't normally hang out with. When students enter the lunchroom on Fridays, they get a colored card that assigns them to a specific table. Each table also has conversation starters to help kids break the ice and actually interact. I want to stop there and just get your read on this idea in general.
0: It's a fascinating idea because it's it's got two arms to it, right? right. Like, it's one thing if they were like, hey, when you're in a lunchroom, no devices on Friday, which would be a nice step yeah, to take. Totally, that you could totally. see that. I've actually not even thought about what it's like in the schools. Do you know in my daughter's school, her high school, uh, they don't get Wi-Fi. Like they don't. It's like a dead zone. So oh, like, intentionally. I think they shut down the, it, the Wi-Fi intentionally. But hmm. uh, like I know if I text her during the day, she can't get it. Like if it's like, hey, okay, I'm going to pick you up. But anyway, to have w- no devices on Friday is awesome. But then there's that's like the. The reactive thing, like we don't want you on your phones, but then the proactive thing is also on that day. We're going to have to sit, have you sit with people that you don't normally hang out with, and we're going to give you conversation starters. I I think of the two. That's the part of this that I really love. It's a school going. You know what? High school, junior high. They're they're kind of clicky. Uh, some kids get left out. Uh, let's do a good job at trying to. Uh, in the beginning, force interactions that will hopefully grow because we know how students and adults, quite frankly, usually are. They kind of of go to their their people at all times. And so I love this. Put your phones away and you're going to meet some people you don't know. I think a lot of us as adults could learn a lot from what this school is doing. Well, and what I appreciate about this article, it says that, all right, so we know
1: that, I mean, most of us do, when you force kids... Into social context that they don't Want to be in mm-hmm. sometimes that can really Backfire right they can just sort of they Can shut down or they can get really mean And they're saying that it actually took A few weeks really for this to really Gain steam which I applaud their Commitment to it because I can imagine you Try this for a couple of Fridays it's Not working well and you go ah well we tried You pull the plug and you just go back to the way things
0: so, Were especially if a kid goes home and complains To their mom and uh, the mom calls the school And of yeah course. you get that
1: but this, okay so This is how the the whole article ends and it's not it's not mind-blowing, but I thought it was a really interesting response So freshman Sahara Kanki said that she didn't want to do it at all But since doing it, she's actually come around to love the Friday lunches And she said this I think it's fun. I like doing it. People are more nice to each other now because they got to know each other at lunch. And it reminds me of that Brene Brown quote that I've used multiple times. Mm -hmm. People are hard to hate up close. Mm. And and so often I think it's easy for us to kind of continue our narrative about that other person. As long as I don't have to interact with them, they can remain the enemy or the villain or the idiot. Whatever narrative we're we're telling about someone else, especially if we don't know them well. I think what this school is doing is not only just like a good idea, right, to get, you know, our kids away from the the blue light and, you know, we're learning even now, like the posture that kids are going to have 20 years from now, just from looking down at their devices (laughs) so much like that's beginning to affect their spine Mm. and all sorts of I mean, and everything's connected to the spine. So I think you have those benefits. But I love what this freshman girl says. Freshman is how old? What, 13? Yeah, Uh, sounds about right. She's saying, man, 14. I've recognized a noticeable shift. In the culture of my school, simply because once a week, the administration is forcing us to interact yep. with people we wouldn't otherwise like. I wonder what, as people in churches and communities, we could learn from that and if there's any value in adopting some of those ideas.
0: Yeah, I think, I, again, I pointed out before, I think especially around the idea of uh, of talking to people that you don't normally talk to and the people you normally interact with. You know, at our church, we always say that we want to have this, you know, every church wants to have deep community, right? Mm-hmm. We want deep community. And one thing I'll say to our church is deep community. Like the way to get to deep community is shallow community. Like you got to start with, you like, start somewhere. Yeah, gotta introduce yourself. You got to right. share something about your story, and uh, sometimes that that move into shallow community is our hardest move, and so. Uh, yeah, there's something for us all to learn here. I think on both ends of this, it's the putting your devices away. What does the staring at our phones all the time, the staring at tablets, what does that do to our human interaction throughout the course of the day? Right. Observing people, interacting with people. And then on top of that uh, – Am I? Am I? Are there certain types of people or certain people just in my sphere that I avoid, hmm. that I don't want to be around? Do I just hang out with the exact same people? It's okay to have good friends, right? Yeah, like totally. This is only one of five days where they do this, and it's only in the lunchroom.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. It's not like oh, you can't talk to your friends. It's <laughs> right, on this right. day in this particular spot. But what would it look like in churches if we were like, you mm-hmm. know what, we're going to move you around today on yeah, this one right. Sunday morning, or you know what, we're going to. There could be all sorts of different learning things. But I do think uh, this school, uh, like you said earlier, they really deserve to be applauded Mm -hmm. uh, for recognizing a problem, something that they wanted to fix, and going, you know what? We're going to get creative. Like you said, we're going to stick with this, Mm -hmm. and we're going to see if it pays dividends. And now it is. And the reason you know it's a big deal is because the media is talking about it. When it was really probably just a really small thing, the principal was like, let's try this. And now they're they're literally getting news coverage about it.
1: Well, and I think, too, anyone who's thinking through implementing something like this, get some introverts in your decision-making group. Because, like, we didn't – oh, we totally skipped the what did you preach – We did. But we had lots of good guests. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But one of the things that we did, I actually preached uh, an abridged sermon, so it was like 12 minutes long, and then we gave like a half hour or so to encourage our church to actually get into groups and pray together. Did you really? And, And some of the feedback, you know, some people, I got all sorts of cool texts and emails that day from people that, you know, they sort of quote unquote randomly met. During these prayer times, it was really powerful, but also how legitimately terrifying that can be for an introvert, yeah. right? To say, hey, just turn around, and that stranger behind you, uh, just start praying with them. That's how
0: you did it. Interesting.
1: It, was, it wasn't quite—it was a little more set up than that, and I try to give permission from the stage. Like, hey, if you're not comfortable with that, you know, hopefully somebody in your group can kind of take the lead. And I gave them three prompts, so it was, it was all about gratitude. Yep. It, was, it was the first— piece was God thank you for what you've done yep. the second one was God thank you for what you're doing even if it's not clear what he's doing yep. and then God thank thank you for what you're going to do and so we just sort of set up these three prompts and then just gave space for people to pray Wow, to move just from gratitude to giving thanks right yep. Tim Keller says that gratitude is what you feel thanksgiving mm-hmm. is what you do yep. and I thought alright that would be strange for me just to talk about that for a half hour what yes. if we actually did that and I love that the school is actually providing space for students to actually interact at a meaningful level. I that's think that's awesome. really important. Well, Coming up next, my friend Charles is planting a church in Johannesburg, and so he's in town just for a few days. So we're going to get to know his story a little bit, what led him to be a church planner? He did a residency with us at the Yellow Box, and awesome. his, his story and his heart for Africa is just absolutely brilliant. I can't wait for you all to learn from him. That's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash Good, or wherever it is you get your podcast. If that's you, a little like-see, a little subscribe, a little review. That actually does mystically, magically somehow help us and we are so grateful for those of you who have already done that. But we mention all the time, one of our favorite things about this show, maybe the favorite thing, is the chance to have in-studio guests. And uh, just cards on the table. Our next guest is someone that I personally really appreciate, really love spending time with. He's a church planner. He's a pastor. He's a good friend. His name is Charles Onyango. Welcome to the show, sir.
4: Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Did mm-hmm. I
1: say your last name correctly? Yes. Just, was yes. it close? Uh, yeah. How close would you, <laughs> why did you say it? Just to make
4: sure everyone else gets it right. So my full name is Charles Onyango. Yeah, that's what I said. No. no. You say like Onyango. <laughs> that's because I have that Midwest nasally. Exactly. I can't, I can't really help it.
1: Okay. So one of the things I've been doing with guests, rather than sort of like read their bio for mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience however you would like to? You can be as personal or as professional as you want to be, as long or short as you want to mm-hmm.
4: be. Yeah. So uh, Charles is my name. Uh, my friends called me Chalo. Um, what? Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we I know not, where I stand. Maybe they are not close enough. <laughs> Yeah, I'm married to uh, one wife called Miriam. Um, We are actually currently expecting our first baby. Mm. Uh, We are Kenyans who uh, just uh, relocated to South Africa uh, February of last year to plant a church in that city Mm. of Johannesburg. That's so good, man. Yeah.
0: So I'm wondering, what led you to want to go to Johannesburg? What was the
4: driving force for you? All right. So we we are led by, uh, uh, you know, the mission that Jesus gave to us um, in Acts 1-8, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the, to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. So where I'm based, uh, where we were based as a church in Nairobi, um, we move by this mission where we plant churches in our Jerusalem, which is Nairobi, uh, Judea, mm-hmm. the rest of Kenya, Samaria, the rest of Africa, and to the ends of the earth, mm-hmm. literally. Hmm. to the ends of the earth. And so um, planting in Johannesburg is just part of the big mission of planting in that city. Plus, when you look about the history of that country, South Africa, there are so many people in that country who are far from God and Hmm. need a church that will, you know, will help them get closer uh, to God. And that's why we chose uh, the city.
1: So the reason that you and I know each other
4: is because you were here in
1: Chicagoland doing a residency at the Yellow Box. Yes. And... I want to tell a story, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. (laughs) So as a part of your residency, you were meeting with all sorts of people, and Mm you had your notepad with you, and you were taking notes and questions, and Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. guys were just wonderful to have around. I feel like we learned so much. One of the comments you made, Mm -hmm. we were in a teaching brainstorm, and we were waffling around whether or not we should talk specifically about God's power in this particular part of the sermon. Mm -hmm. And you said, that's so interesting because we talk about God's power in Africa all the time. And Mm -hmm. then you made this comment, you said, we talk about power, God's power, all the time because I think we often feel so powerless. Mm-hmm. And you said you Americans so often talk about God's presence. I mm. think because
4: you feel so alone. Mm. Do you remember mm. saying that? And why do you why do you think that's true? Well, I think it's it's a cultural thing. I mm. mean, the way you see the world is right. because of your worldview. Right. Mm-hmm. And our worldview comes from a place of uh, thinking God as this a big man sitting somewhere mm. and taking care of our needs and, and looking after us and fighting for us because that's our world view mm. but when you come from a situation where you don't need somebody to fight for you you, you, mm. you know you put yourself as you can do it all on your own uh, all you need is your yourself your mm-hmm. mind your strength your knowledge your understanding then mm. you will not see God the same way as somebody who doesn't have those things that's and fantastic. so it's all about the world view and for us um, seeing God as powerful is because we feel powerless all the time. Mm. We feel like, you know, we need God to help us through. And, and it's all a matter of faith. Mm. Trusting God for the next everything yeah, uh, puts you in that place where you see God as the source of everything. Yeah. That's what, well said. Yeah. I'm wondering
0: for you and your family, what's it been like to be in the United States? Like what have been the fun, good parts of it? But what's also been weird about it? What's been different about it?
4: Well, uh, so many things are different. <laughs> uh, yeah, the weather, of course, has been so. Kenya is along the equator, so you can imagine how beautiful of a weather it is throughout the year. The year yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then coming here, then uh, you know it goes so low, and then <laughs> you know you just don't want to leave the house or leave the car or leave the mall or just you're inside something all the time. You're yes, right. right? never outside, um, and so that that is one of the uh, one of the things that is different the other thing is you know the food portions man <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> oh they're too, too small mark. is what you're saying ours oh. oh. are too yeah it's massive it's not even too big too big it's massive you know you eat a burger and you're like did I just eat a cow <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was delicious. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so things like that just uh, make it so fun that, you know, um, the conversation that you have with people who mm. have no idea mm. anything to do with Africa, you know, those has, have been sometimes disappointing uh, because when we grow up, we learn about the, wa- the map of the world, and mm-hmm. we learn this is where Europe is, this is where America is. Uh, sometimes you even learn the states of America, mm-hmm. some of the different states in America, and you learn some of the different countries in, in Europe and Asia, and you know all the countries of Africa. Then Lime. you come here, people have no idea anything to do with Africa, and mm-hmm. they ask you if you know a chief who is in the other side of Africa. <laughs> And you are like, oh my god! Like, no, it's a big, it's a big landmass. It's a lot of space. Here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's <laughs> massive. So, so you know, uh, I think um, conversations like that just uh, really demoralize you. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, you 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 kind of try and understand the worldview, and, yeah, right. and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. So was that part of the impetus? Then part of the reasoning for coming to the United States was to learn a different worldview. Was yes. that part of the value? Yes. You know, you know, the, the, we have a saying in Africa that if you only eat your mother's food, you will think that. It's the best food. Hmm. And then you go to your neighbor's house and realize, oh, my God, my mom has been been cooking it all wrong all this time. You know, so so going to a different culture always opens your eyes Hmm. into how a different worldviews view God and how they view the world.
1: Okay, so another interesting comment that you made when you were here, which Mm -hmm. how long has it been since you were here last?
4: Uh, Maybe two and a half years. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's
1: crazy. All right. So we were driving along, and I was just kind of asking how your time here had been. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you observed was you Americans say that everything is amazing. How was the dinner last night? Amazing. How was that movie? Amazing. And you asked the question, why can't Americans just be honest? about how things actually are. Oh, yeah. And like I've not been able to forget that comment. Like <laughs> yeah. Now that you've gotten some time away from your residency here, mm-hmm. why do you think that is, and what has that taught you about the
4: nature of the church here? Yeah, so two things. I mean, there's a positivity that is in that. Uh, right. so, there's something good about that, uh, because then the other extreme is always to whine about everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's a positivity, and I like that. Uh, hmm. But then there's also, um, I don't know if it's falsehood or uh, hmm. fakeness hmm. that hmm. can also come with pretending that everything is the best <laughs> and everything is so good and life is so amazing when the truth of the matter is um i have spent time here and i've met with people who are the most lonely people i've ever seen in the Ooh. world and and and, wow. and and so when you when you talk to that person they tell you how wonderful life is how good everything is but the real, reality is they are not Hmm. They are not that uh, what they're talking about. So there's just those two things. There's some sense of a fakeness or or unrealness that Hmm. is there. And then there's also the positivity that I see as a value. in Just being positive in everything. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm
0: wondering. Tell me more. Tell us more about the about. Uh, the Church of South Africa. What's uh, how is it different? How what is the church like down there?
4: Yeah, so the Church uh, of South Africa is a growing church. I have to start there. Um, you know, it's said that the population of Sub-Saharan Africa will double by the year twenty fifty. Wow, wow! So you find that the growth of of the church in the Southern Hemisphere right now is booming like never before. Wow! Oh. Uh, and so the church in South Africa is no different from the other churches in Africa. It's growing. It's booming. Uh, there are many people converting every day. Uh, there are people. Who are far from God, but the presence of churches are actually helping in transforming the lives of the people. The churches are also helping mm. in reconciliation uh, in a country like South Africa that, you know, just 25 years ago, that's when they, you know, had the, like their political independence. Uh, and right. now they're in that season of reconciliation, and the church is needed to play an important role in just uh, bringing back to God and also bringing communities back together. Mm-hmm. So the church is growing. That's all I can say. Yeah. And we don't have any buildings that are shutting down. Hmm. In fact, we have um, people growing. So when we were planning to start the church um, and then we, as a a church planter, you go into an area and you visit all churches. You try and visit uh, the churches that are influencing the culture and Mm -hmm. and you try to visit churches that have been there for a while. And one of the most interesting thing is whenever I visited a a church, the pastor used to call for an altar call to the front and Mm -hmm. ask if anyone wanted to accept Christ. And there was always a hand or two or five Hmm. that would go up people accepting the Lord. So that shows you That that is... A growing church. Yeah, people
1: are hungry for it. Well, oh, that yeah. voice you're hearing is my friend Charles, who's planting a church in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mention the website a couple times, but go to newthing.org to learn more. We're going to talk a little bit more about how we can come alongside and support you in this church planning effort. Because I think, gosh, I'm so glad that you guys have been called there. I think it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. So stick around for one more segment. We learn from Charles Wanyango about the church planning efforts in Africa. And I think I just nailed that last name. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right now, that's all coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. My name, I don't know why I said it like I'm one of the little rascals. Yeah is Ian Simkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show 1160hope.com slash the Common Good or wherever it is you get podcasts. And I love I love, love, love when we can have guests in the studio sharing their heart and passion. And Charles, you are no exception. You have Mm -hmm. such a gift, I think, not only for communicating the gospel, but rallying people around you. So that Mm -hmm. voice that you've been hearing Mm -hmm. is Charles Onyango, who's planting a church in Johannesburg, South Africa. And before we continue the conversation, I want to really challenge you to Partner mm-hmm. with them. You can go to newthing.org. You just click that button, give. And when you're selecting which ministry to actually give to, you can actually give to Global Johannesburg. And so that goes right to him and his team. And uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about that. Why do you think
4: it's so important to support missions and missionary efforts? Yeah, so of course we know that America has played a key role in the spread of Christianity in the last 100 or so years. Um, And, you know, missionaries came from this place and they were supported by Americans Mm -hmm. and did a lot uh, of good out there. And I feel like right now it's the turn for maybe the rest of the world to also take on the mantle and jump with that mm-hmm. but one thing that america is gifted or is blessed with is resources that mm-hmm. maybe the rest of the other world does not have and so that's an important place that america can play and mm-hmm. an important role that america can continue playing in supporting uh, god's work and missionaries around the world uh just to continue with the great commission and that's well said that's really
0: well mm-hmm. put so I'm wondering, this might be a hard question, but five years from now, okay. let's go and we're, we're going five years into the future. Tell us about your church.
4: Hmm. Five years from now. I, what I believe in as, as a leader is that my work is actually to equip other leaders hmm. to carry on the mantle of the gospel. Hmm. So five years from now, my mission is really just to plant not just this one church, but also two other churches. Wow. And also to develop leaders who will go out with the same mission and the same vision to develop other leaders hmm. so it's about generating leaders we have so many young people um in 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 africa you know they say that the africa is the youngest is the youngest nation wow. africa as a continent the average wow. age of africa is 19 years old no so kidding, africa, oh my goodness it's a teenager what? So imagine Africa's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Africa is a teenager. So imagine uh, the number of leaders and the yeah. potential that is in Africa that the world can actually pour into. Mm. So we need to develop more leaders for the gospel and more, more leaders for the church. That's so good. Okay,
1: so you clearly care about multiplication, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, another way that you've done that is you're having a child. Oh, right? yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk you know, to me you know, a when you bit about plant, that. When you plant a
4: church, you must have a baby first. You know? <laughs>
1: (laughs) Is that part for the course?
4: Yeah, you can't be talking about adding more and you're not adding (laughs) yourself. So So you're doing
1: your part. Well done. I'm doing my part. I I want to get in your head a little bit, though. (laughs) What's
4: that been like uh, preparing to become a father? Oh, man. Um, You know, you always think about get a pregnant and and that whole process mm-hmm. but then when it happens <laughs> and you know as i have to say i've had my moments when i'm like am i ready
1: oh, yeah <laughs> and we're All always swear, there with yeah.
4: uh, you know with my wife and you know we we're, we're frank with each other we've yeah. been married for 7 years mm-hmm. so we can talk openly and say We have no idea how to change this and how to do this, you know. Same, by the way, same. How many days after the baby comes from the hospital are they supposed to take a bath? Is it day one, day two? You know, like we have no idea what we are doing, but, you know. Thank God for mother-in-laws. Yes, well said. I remember remember one of the
0: most terrifying moments for me was with our first child Uh driving away from the hospital with her in the back of the seat going, they're letting us take this baby home?
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because when you're in the hospital, they're still doing everything for you. And you're
0: like... Here we go. It's terrifying. Yeah. So February,
4: February, I know my
1: life is going to change forever. Oh, and, yes. and I can't wait. I'm hoping for my birthday, February 21st. If you could pass that along. Uh, I'm hoping it will come even before. Yeah. <laughs> just just
4: want to give my two cents. There you go. No, I would not want to, our baby to share a birthday. There you go. <laughs> There you go. That's fair. I understand.
0: So as your church launches, April of 2020, uh, what happens between now and then besides having a baby, which is a huge deal? (laughs) But in terms of the church, Mm -hmm. talk to us about how long are you here? When do you go back? What's that process? And also, what are you working on between now and and April of 2020?
4: Okay, so I go back this Wednesday. So, oh, really? I, yeah, I go back like immediately, <laughs> maybe right after this, you know. <laughs> but um, so between now and April, you know, there are a lot of things that we need to do, and that is get more involved in the community. Okay. Uh, so this time, this season in South Africa, it's the summer, and so you have a lot of events in the community, a lot of festivals, a lot of uh, market days, uh, events happening, and that's just an opportunity for us to go out into the community to to show ourselves as being in the community and find ways that we can partner with people who are already doing something in our community. Mm. And then uh, with that, you know, we have our core team that has been meeting. We've started our pre-launch services. So it's just growing that, making sure that we are doing evangelism in the community. We are reaching out to new people and just trying to bring everyone on board uh, so that by April we will be ready to have that big launch. That's outstanding. All right,
1: so anyone listening, there are probably two key ways you can support them. The first Mm -hmm. is our Obviously, it's financial, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can go to newthing.org, you click on the give button, and then under the description click the drop down and click Global Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening, you're thinking, man, I feel like my heart is being stirred for Africa. Mm-hmm. You can give a one-time gift, a recurring gift. Either way, uh, I personally vouch for this guy. I've lived a lot of life with him, and I've seen the way that God is moving in and through him and his heart and his marriage, and I cannot wait to like tell those stories five years from now mm-hmm. when you're able to say, yeah, not only did we launch, we planted new churches. Okay. The second thing, though, Uh it's just as important that we could be praying with and for you guys. And I know that you're like you're a pastor at heart. Mm -hmm. Would you for anyone listening? What are some ways, some really honest ways that we can be partnering with you guys in prayer?
4: Yeah, so of course uh you know as a family going through this season of having a baby and starting a church it's right. you know it can be a challenging season and so we just pray for God's wisdom and grace as mm. we go through uh, the new season of parenting as and starting a church you know we've we've never done any of those before mm. and so we really need God's guidance yeah. and direction in doing it all and also just to pray for our core team you know that you know the guys have a zeal right now mm. to reach new mm-hmm. people to do something new to start something uh, for Christ in the that city hmm. that the fire will not burn down because you know with every new thing people come on board and they want to run with it uh-huh. and then with time they just all away so we mm-hmm. pray that the fire will keep on burning and also just pray for South Africa as a nation as a city it's a growing uh, nation uh, just pray for uh, uh, insecurity is big uh, mm-hmm. in Johannesburg mm. uh, those are things that you can pray about for mm. for everyone in in, in Midrond specifically where we are planting uh, also pray just for the leadership the government uh, in South Africa as they try to just uh, bring the economy to stability mm. as, uh, and stuff like that, mm. um, just make sure that God that's really actually intervene. That's great, man. That's
0: really good. With a little bit of time we have left, I want to give you an opportunity to speak to American Christians mm. and say, hey, here's mm. something I've observed about, about you guys yeah, <laughs> or about that's the good. church. That's uh-huh. good. Uh, kind of pastorally speak to us here or over here
4: yeah okay, something specifically, maybe directed really to the younger generation uh, of Christians, uh, as I mentioned earlier that America was known as a hub for missionaries, mm. and we 've seen that decline over the years because uh, many missionaries went and started things that they've, you know they 've grown older and they 've come back home, but we don 't have this the same amount of missionaries mm. going out from America right. to the rest of the world, and so I would like to you know just put it out there if you 're young and you feel like God is calling you into Ministry, you know, still go to the new thing uh, and just send your your name up in there. Somebody is going to get back to you. But also, just know that. You can actually do it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, your parents or great-grandparents, the people before you did it, and God is still calling you. God mm. has not yet finished his work in the world. That's and right. it's time for us as the younger generation to take the baton, run with it, and, and reach the world for, for God. That's so good, man. Right,
1: yeah. I don't know that I've ever done it like this specifically, but we have like a minute left. Mm-hmm. Would you speak to Johannesburg? Like, as someone who's a church planner there, speak Mm -hmm. speak to that city, speak to your church, both Mm -hmm. present and future. Mm -hmm. Would you just just
4: close us up speaking pastorally into those mm-hmm. places a little mm-hmm. bit uh, I, I don't know if you do prophecies in this place <laughs> come on bring it bring it man yeah but le- let me just maybe say a prayer for, for Johannesburg please, yeah. Do, yes, yeah. please. Yes. yeah Father we thank you we thank you for the city of Johannesburg thank you because Lord you have amazing plan for the people mm-hmm. and, and the men and women who live in that land and right now I just pray that your spirit will start to move That's in the right. hearts of men and women uh, to bring a transformation and a change in their hearts in their lives I pray today that you will remember uh, the orphans and the needy, the people in that city, Lord, and you'll just provide to them. You'll reach them where they are and bring a transformation in that city for the glory and praise of your name. Amen. 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 Oh man, thank you so much for that. <laughs> that is, is Charlton
1: Yango. I cannot encourage you enough. Again, go to Newthing.org, click give, click the drop down, select mm. Johannesburg to partner mm. with what God is doing in and through them in Johannesburg. So grateful you're here, man. Let us come and do a show with you in yes, Johannesburg, bro. right? I,
4: I, I, looking forward to it, man.
1: <laughs> you are welcome. Oh, you yeah. heard it there first, folks. Thank you so much. You've yeah. yeah. been listening to the common good right here on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. It is that wacky, wild moment of the show where most of you are turning off your radios. Uh, It is web insanity, stories that we have not read, sound effects we have not heard, chosen by our executive and regular producer. (laughs) Regular producer? That feels less cool than executive. Our... Normal, Nah, that's not great either. Either way, there are stories we have no idea what they are, and we'll stumble all over all of them the way that we normally do. Before we get into that insanity, though, let me tell you about something. Are you ready for this, Brian?
0: I am absolutely ready. All
1: right, since 1964, do you want to guess what comes next? The Chicago Leadership Prayer Breakfast. No, the Beatles. The <laughs> Beatles. The British Invasion. No, the Chicago Leadership Prayer Breakfast has brought together leaders of all faiths from the business, government, and nonprofit worlds. You can join 600 Chicago leaders in prayer with Aim 1160 breakfast uh, chairs Marty Ozinga and his brother Paul Ozinga and hear from keynote speaker Dr. Nicholas Pierce, associate pastor at Apostolic Faith Church at the Chicago Hilton on December 6th at 7.30 a.m. Tickets for the 2019 Chicago Leadership prayer breakfast by the Chicago Sunday Evening Club are $100 or $1,000 for a table and available on Eventbrite or at CSEC.org. That's CSEC.org. I would love for people, by the way, to do this breakfast in the morning and then go to the Disciple concert in the evening. It's a day. That would be one heck of a day, right? It's <laughs> a day. <laughs> was that the cha-ching sound effect? ching was that? <laughs> I think he was just waiting for it. I saw John,
0: like... <laughs> Pump fist in the air. I don't All right, you you go first. Germany. Huge <laughs> hall of treasure stolen in German castle vault heist. Hmm. Thieves have stolen around a hundred pieces of priceless treasure in an audacious heist from the castle vault in the German city of Dresden. Several criminals gained access money to the Green Vault, one of the largest collections of masterpieces in Europe, lifting artifacts of immeasurable value. This is an attack on the cultural identity. Of all Saxons and the state of Saxony, they said. The vault features an astounding collection of historical jewelry and precious ornaments.
2: Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: favorite moment of the day: You saying Saxony with all the fervor in the world. All right, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, fi- man finds couple sleeping in his bedroom. Ooh. This is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Police have arrested two people after they were found asleep in a man's home while in possession of drugs. Ah, there you go, Amy. All wine. That's an unfortunate <laughs> name Not for just drugs, the <laughs> drugs. But she drank all wine. She is all wine of Leola and Eric Campbell. Big fan of soup Of Rothsville Are facing felony criminal Trespassing and possession Of drug charges For the role in the incident On November 23rd Police received a call From a man In the first block Of Martin Avenue In Ephrata Who said that uh, When he entered his room Around 6.50 a.m. He found Allwine and Campbell Asleep in an upstairs bedroom That's pretty good It's not bad right there You know the band Obviously right Nope Yes you do I know. I know
0: the song what you know right, the no, song no, the but band. not the band? Correct. The band is called The Who. Oh, okay. I know who The Who are. I just it doesn't sound like pick it doesn't them. sound like you do. Would you know what Lancaster? They're
4: saying their name. Do
0: you know what? Uh, <laughs> do you know what Lancaster, Pennsylvania is known for? Um, wait, Mennonites. Yeah, the Amish, largest Amish community out there. I yep, did know that. Thank North you. Carolina. Greensboro man creates dating app where he's the only guy allowed. Must be homeschooled. 31 25-year-old 30, John Benedict can put his finger on exactly.
2: <laughs> Public school for 14 years, my
0: friend. What's okay. wrong with dating app? The biggest problem with other apps is that my face is not featured prominently. Oh, gosh. To cut down on competition, he created a new app called Singularity. What's unique about this new app is that he's the only guy allowed on it. (laughs) No matter how many times you swipe, it's only different versions of his (laughs) picture.
2: Well, when life gives you lemons.
0: Okay,
1: so that drop only makes sense if because I kept reading. yeah, in the story, if life gives you lemons, you should first make lemonade. He said, then make sure no other companies can produce or distribute <laughs> their own soft drink. <laughs> so the only game in town is lemonade. What an inspiration! Uh, All right, Texas, we are running out of time. Good to go, on yeah. that one. That was good. <laughs> U.S. Customs officials seize 154 pounds of bologna at the Texas-Mexico border. The story is baloney. U.S. <coughs> Customs and Border Protection confiscated an unusual and sizable delivery this week. 154 pounds of prohibited baloney. What made it prohibited? I don't know. Customs officials seized 14 packages of the Mexican baloney ah, Thursday morning at the bridge of the Americas port of entry in El Paso, Texas. The agency said in a statement issued the next day, the product is banned because it is ready for it made from pork and can introduce foreign animal diseases. Mm.
2: Did these sound like the actions of a man who had all he could eat? <laughs> <laughs> that could have been me!
1: I just am a... always surprised by how Bologna is spelled. Oh, yeah. It, the fact that it's spelled the same way and pronounced the same way as pony is yes, infuriating. Like, how would you explain to your kid there that it's not Bologna well, I don't know. I'm telling my kid it's balagna.
0: Uh, Canada, last one. BC Town accidentally invites everyone to take photos with Satan at their Christmas fair. <laughs> Not every spelling mistake you make is is going to be caught by spell check or the human eye. But thankfully, the good people of the Internet are always there to point them out. Recently, a newspaper in British Columbia made an unintentionally hilarious error in an advertisement for a local Christmas fair. The Comics Valley Record typo accidentally invited everyone to take photos with Satan at a holiday event in Courtney, B.C. Could
3: it be (laughs) Satan?
1: Such a good... Some people probably have no idea who that even is, right? Oh, no. Brian Fromm spilled water (laughs) all over the desk to end the show. I don't know how you have this many accidents <laughs> every single show. He's it's little, like a daily He's crutch. literally scrambling to move electronics out of the way. That was <laughs> a not a good way to end this show Oh, right my there. gosh. Well, hopefully we'll still have a show tomorrow and every day at <laughs> 4 to 6 p.m. Right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life.